Hey guys, it's Trun here. Before we start the podcast, I would just like to ask you all to go follow us on our Instagram. The handle is the underscore student underscore perspective. We have a lot of great content on our page and it will be greatly appreciated if you could go follow us so we can spread our brand. Additionally, it would also be very helpful if you could go check out our website. The link could be found in the description or on our bio in our Instagram page. And if you could go subscribe to our email list. So that way you'll never miss an update when it comes out. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Student Perspective Podcast, and I hope to see you guys soon. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Student Perspective Podcast. I hope you got a chance to listen to our last episode, where we talked about the importance of physical health. In this episode, we'll be talking about our perspectives at Texas A&M, and we have a different group of people here. Um, it won't be our standard five, but instead I have brought some of my friends from A&M. So if you guys just want to introduce yourself, Anita, do you just want to start? Yeah, sure. I'm Anita. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I'm an incoming sophomore majoring in biomedical engineering and hopefully a minor in mechanical. Nice, nice. Uh, ben? Hey, I'm Ben. I'm also an incoming sophomore at a and I'm majoring in nuclear engineering, and I'm originally from Alabama. I don't know exactly where nuclear is going to lead me, but I'm thinking the energy industry right now are potentially some health applications. Nice. That's awesome. Carissa, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Carissa Smith. I'm from Rockwell, Texas. Uh, currently, I'm studying interdisciplinary engineering with concentrations in biomedical and electrical and also a German minor, and I hope to pursue patent law in the future. Awesome. Reagan, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Reagan Isbell. I'm from Colleyville, Texas. Uh, my major, I'm going to be a, ri- a rising sophomore as well, like everybody else. And my major is biomedical engineering with a minor in Spanish. And I'm considering going pre-med. Nice. And last but not least, Ankita, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, I'm Kia, and I am also a rising sophomore majoring in biomedical engineering. Um, I'm also pre-med and yeah, I'm from Austin, Texas. All right. So I hope you guys got to see basically how, even though we're all from A&M, uh, we all have different backgrounds. So let's just start up our discussion. So one of the reasons why we made the student perspective is to talk about high school competition. And now that we've all graduated from high school, I want to hear your perspectives on how high school was for you. So anyone, if they just want to start. How would you describe your high school academic environment and how that impacted you, whether that be mentally or physically or socially? Just just a general description. Um, I can go first. Um, so my high school was actually very similar to A&M. Our principal was actually an Aggie. So in high school, we actually had a lot of emphasis on school spirit, on social life. Um, academics was competitive if you were maybe in the top 200 ranks maybe but it it wasn't um academics wasn't your sole purpose you know while you were in high school so i wouldn't say i had an overly competitive high school experience but most of that drive of competition mostly i think came from my parents um maybe some friends uh family friends that were um experienced in the way of college applications they mostly were the ones to push me to be like oh you got to do this you got to do this to stand out you have to take these classes if you want to go this path in life and um, 
I think it was just mostly an external um, push that kind of made me um, uh, kind of made me go more for a competitive high school experience rather than one that was more easygoing. Yeah, for sure. And how big would you say your class was? You said like it got competitive after like the top 200. So yeah, I had a class size of about 600 people. So it was a it was a pretty big class, but it wasn't uh, one of those gigantic high schools that I sometimes hear about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Anyone else want to go next or just bounce off of that? Yeah, I can go next. Um, so my high school was pretty different from Kita's. Um, I kind of wish it was more like hers, but mine was pretty competitive. We had about 1,800 kids total. And um, my high school, it was, so in the entire state of New Mexico, we had like 90 National Merit Scholars for top 1%. And my high school had almost 20% of the National Merit Scholars just from our one school. <laughs> Even though like the population of our students was not that much <laughs> compared to that's, the that's entire crazy. state. Yeah, so it was very competitive, um, which did affect me, I think, um, because I think, especially in the top 10, anytime there were discussions about grades or anything or about anything academic, I kind of had to be a little suspicious about like, is this person really like looking out for me or like, what are their intentions a little bit? Um, so that gave me a very specific mindset throughout all of high school, I think, which I don't necessarily think was a bad thing, but I think my mental health is definitely a lot better at A&M where there aren't ranking systems. Yeah, for sure. Like I've stressed this many times before, but I think competition is good because it brings out the best in people. But at the same time, when you have to resort to like pushing other people down to get up, I feel like that's when competition becomes toxic, you know? And in my school, it was very similar. Um, I'm from Frisco, Texas. So in Frisco, just the overall area is super competitive because we have a very large population of Indians and Asians. So automatically they're very competitive people, you know? So especially in Frisco, my schools were, my schools was one of the less competitive schools in the district, you know? And at my school still, people were willing to cheat. They were willing to like use their phones in like Spanish class and like hide stuff, you know, like for major exams. And that's nothing in like other schools, people, like would steal the keys of the teacher and then like go after school to like steal the exam from their cabinet. Like that's how bad competition is at our district, you know? Yikes. Yeah. I think, I think that rank almost stops meaning something when it, when competition gets to that point. Cause I, I did end up graduating valedictorian, but I think everyone knows, like I can think of five people just off the top of my head who are absolutely smarter than me for sure. And so I don't think that rank necessarily reflects on intelligence or anything. And that's why maybe it should be toned down a bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I can share my perspective next. So my high school, I went to a 5A high school, graduated 420 people in our graduating class. So pretty mid-sized, not too crazy. And I'd say mine was more of a, it could be competitive if you, if you wanted it to be kind of scenario. So it's definitely more competitive up in the top 10% because it's a Texas, Texas public school. So you have that automatic entry into those Texas public colleges with that. So there was that emphasis, but it did allow 
some focus if you wanted to be competitive or not. So, and, and I think that was also shown in our classes, like types of classes that people would take. It definitely, so the AP credits, I don't know if this is how it was at y'all school, but a normal class was a 4.0, a pre-AP class was a 5.0, and an AP class was a 6.0. So a lot more emphasis on trying to cram as many APs as you could, not necessarily even if you were planning on taking that class in college or getting it for that AP credit. So whether or not that's good or bad, that's up for people to decide. Something I really appreciated about my school is they had a lot of AP classes, particularly in both STEM and non-STEM. So one of our best best classes with the most highest AP passing score was AP Art History, which is super different. I think a lot of schools don't necessarily put focus on that, but also had a really strong AP Physics program, which is partially, at first, like when I started high school, I was not interested in physics at all. I thought that was for nerds, not all interested, and now here I am an engineer. So I was really appreciative for that. Another thing I really appreciated when I was thinking about my high school experience preparing for this podcast was the how like how you were talking a little bit about how when some things when it gets so competitive that it leads to the need to cheat um that then takes away the whole point of your education and my school is usually it was pretty pretty good in that mindset as in that wasn't really a need there and then one other thing that i was thinking about is i don't know if y'all schools was like this as well but with certain classes being higher ranked that kind of took out the need if you wanted to be super competitive you couldn't really be in athletics or some of your those other fine arts like choir or art that wouldn't have counted for those AP ranks. So I know that that was kind of a discrepancy in my school. The Some of the people that were higher ranked didn't do those athletics, but I still found I was able, I graduated in top 10, I was number seven, and there were still a couple people in my in that top 10 who were still four-year athletes all the way through or they stuck in their choir all the way through. So I think it was just kind of up to you how how competitive you wanted to take it. Yeah, for sure. Um, our school was pretty similar in that all level classes were 5.0 and then pre-AP slash AP classes were 6.0. And so I was, I would say I was a product of competition. I didn't necessarily cheat, but I would definitely say that a lot of the decisions I made were a result of competition. So for example, freshman year, I was in orchestra and tennis but both of those are 5.0 classes. So I had to drop those. And then sophomore, junior, senior year, I took the most useless classes like pre-AP art one and like pre-AP computer science. Like they have nothing to do with the pre-med, but I just took them because they were 6.0 classes, you know? And so many kids at our school exploited the system to where you have to take classes like speech, but speech is a 5.0 class. So they would take that class online. So it doesn't count towards your GPA. And, you know, people would just find all these loopholes in the system. And so at the end of my freshman year, I was ranked two. And I was like, you know what, this is not bad. You know, this I would definitely keep ranked two. But I just had way too many external factors to where I had to drop everything and try my hardest to be ranked one. And ultimately, I would get there. But sometimes I just think, do you think I had to try that hard in order to get there? Like, I'm pretty sure I would be in the same position where I was right now, even if I wasn't. Heck, even if I wasn't in the top 10, you know, so do you think I could have possibly enjoyed what I was doing in high school, like enjoyed the classes I was taking? Because in Frisco ISD, we have this thing called a CTE center, where it's like you can take like a bunch of career oriented classes. So, for example, you can take classes like advanced computer science or um, you can take EMT classes or stuff like that. 
And I didn't bother taking any of those classes because those were all 5.0 classes, even though they're much more applicable classes compared to classes like pre-AP Art 1. But this, the demand for GPA and everything, that's why I've been calling people across the city saying we need to change this GPA system, you know, because high school is the time where you should be exploring what you want to do, you know, because in college, yeah, you can still decide what you want to do. You can still change your major, but you don't have as much freedom compared to high school where there's not many consequences of taking pre-med classes here and then political law classes here, stuff like that, you know. So I just wish this mentality would change in high school students. Yeah, and I think that's super heartbreaking that you like had to give up those passions of like your tennis and your orchestra in the pursuit of that higher GPA and those other things you were searching for. Um, something that I just wanted to add, like as advice, if there's high school students listening to this, is something that I talked about. All colleges in their application process, they have a little thing at the end and it's anything that you'd like to add to your application. A lot of times it's extenuating circumstances, but something else that I would totally suggest adding in that I added a little bit on my application was talking about how grades and how that in your school or your school classes and everything that affected if you were able to participate in extracurricular. So I talked about how that my GPA may not be as high as some others. That's because I chose to choose some of my sports where, or you could talk about the pressure in your school to do these different things. I think that's always something to add and that can give colleges perspective into where you're coming from and just have this kind of problem heard in different parts of the educational sphere. Yeah, yeah, if I could add something to, oh wait, sorry, go ahead, Krista. I know you have You go ahead, ahead first, Anita. Okay, just something you. really quick. Um, I think that the motive for a lot of competition in GPA boosting is to get into a competitive college. So I do think it matters, like rank and GPA, I'd be lying if I said it didn't. I do think it matters, but I think what matters even more is doing things that really contribute to the community that you want to go into, like the scientific community, or doing things that you love, because I think that ultimately that is what colleges care about the most is seeing how you contributed different aspects of your life. And so I think that with that in mind, go after what you like to do and make an impact. And that should, you know, kind of overrule the GPA and the ranking, because if your goal is to like get into a competitive college, that's what they look for anyways. Yeah, that's that's really true, Anita. And um, I, I've definitely seen that with a lot of the, the kids from my school who've graduated who weren't maybe in the top um, 10 or even the top 10 percent who still had really um, awesome things aside from academics going for them. But yeah, just to touch on my school, and this is Carissa speaking, just if you're confused, because I know there's six of us. So I, I came from a, a high school uh, that, well, I graduated from a high school that was about 600 uh, students. And my educational journey through high school was a little bit different from a lot of other people's. I moved to Texas from um, after, after being overseas for a year uh, in Germany. And so I came into a high school um, kind of fresh, fresh out of an entirely different system in Europe. Um, and I was really surprised at how competitive it was compared to the European school system. But anyway, I come from a, a, a high school of about 600 uh, in the graduating class. It was a pretty homogenous community, so a lot of white people 
um, and a lot of kind of wealthier people. So there is definitely a lot of pressure um, on some of the kind of students in kind of the top half of the class academically to you know, make good grades and get into a good school and, and everything. But a big factor um, that was something in, in my school district was parents and students using kind of local politics or um, kind of throwing their weight around a little bit to get, um, to, to kind of get ahead academically. And uh, we had a lot of really, really great programs. Uh, we had the AP program and the IB program. And there was a lot of um, local politics involved, I guess, in how those two were weighted. Um, for sure, the IB kids in my school district got a lot more benefit in terms of academics, whereas the AP students were doing um, just as much, if not more, um, work and were still getting behind academically in, in terms of a GPA. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it, there was a lot of competitive, competitiveness in that area. Uh, but I'm, I'm still really thankful that I went to a high school or a high school in, in a more um, wealthy community, I guess, um, because there were a lot of course offerings. So despite how competitive it was and how kind of stressful it was to be around all these kids who were kind of willing to do it just about anything to get ahead, I, I still wouldn't regret it. And I was still able to graduate number two in my class. And I, I still think that I really got to enjoy high school. I was able to still do um, sports and um, kind of pursue some like side hobbies. And, um, I, but I know that other kids in the top 10 definitely did sacrifice a lot of things to, to kind of get some number on a transcript. So that's definitely a real unfortunate thing to happen. Yeah, and uh, for my high school going off of that, um, I feel pretty similar. I was, I ended up being class rank one. I did feel a lot of pressure to like basically just do whatever it takes. For me, it wasn't cheating or anything like that, but mine was in like course selection. I didn't take a lot of courses that I was really genuinely interested in. I kind of just, like you were saying, like it's, it was just because it would help me get ahead. Um, and I got, I did think, I, I benefited from that. Like I took um, the AP seminar and AP research courses and that ended up being a very valuable experience. But in place of that, I had like wanted to, they offered creative writing and a film studies class in my high school. And I never took those, even though those are topics I'm very interested in. And I think that would have, I'm exploring that now at A&M um, through a couple different clubs, but I really think it would have helped a lot if I had uh, been able to see those things in high school. Um, one other thing, like with, I think with the GPA, like Alabama has this reputation of a very bad education system, and I think that's true. Fortunately, I went to a very good public high school, probably one of the very few ones in Alabama. So we had a lot of course offerings, a bunch of different AP classes. Um, the pre-AP classes were a 4.5 GPA, regular classes were 4.0, and the APs were 5.0. So even from the very start, I felt like, and there were a couple people who also doing the same thing, trying to jockey and get ahead, like in sophomore year, instead of, uh, I think there's a different name for it in Texas, but the Scholars Bowl competitions. Um, I was thinking about taking that. I was fairly interested in trying it, but instead 
I decided to take an AP course. I took AP Human Geography, um, which I did. I did really enjoy, but at the same time, I still feel that feeling of sacrifice in the things that I'm interested in. And I'm really happy at A&M now. I get to pursue a lot of the things that I had like those small tinges of interest in. Um, but it would have been nice to do in high school. And I think in terms of extracurriculars, uh, very fortunately, I did like actually, I didn't just do things to put on a college application. Um, it would have been, I would have been miserable if I did just out of pure, like just trying to get into a good college. Um, so I was kind of like saying, okay, well, it balances out. I'm doing what I want outside of school, but in school, I, I'm kind of just biting the bullet and taking those harder classes just to, just to get a good GPA. But I really don't think you have to do that. I think you can just as easily do both. Take the classes you're interested in. If I if I had just taken all those classes I interested I was interested in, I still would have, I still would have been probably in the top ten. I was still taking just like the core classes at the highest level because just uh, just in terms of difficulty of what I could handle. And um, one one really weird fact that everyone I've talked to is thought is extremely weird, but my, my graduating class actually had 17 valedictorians. Um, so I probably would have been a valedictorian anyway. Um, but the, there was kind of a history of competition at my high school where you would have like the top, like three or four people just like going super, super competitive. And they would basically try to mess with each other and drop classes at the last minute that were bringing down their GPA. So they jump ahead right before the cutoff for, to see who's valedictorian. And it was just messed up. So yeah. what my high school actually did is make a cutoff. So you had to be a certain GPA or higher. And they just kind of set it a little bit low. I think they could have raised it by about 0 0.05 or 0 0.1 points. And it would have still had a decent amount of people. But so we had 17 valedictorians. It's crazy, you know, like the fact that. So basically, seventeen valedictorians. Does that mean you guys all had the same GPA, or you guys just all crossed that threshold? Yeah, we all crossed the cutoff. Um, okay. I was the I was the number one. Like they still showed our rank, which yeah. didn't make much sense why they would do the cutoff and still show the rank if they were trying to remove the competition. But uh, yeah, seventeen people got above that. I think it was like a four point four five cutoff. Yeah, that's crazy. Like in our district, what they do is they only rank the top 10%. Everyone else who doesn't fall in the top 10%, they're just given a percentile. And they did this in hopes of reducing competition at our district. But if anything, you increase competition because now there's like this negative connotation of being associated with like having a percentile rank instead of like an actual number rank. So stuff has gotten really bad recently at our district. but. Fortunately, we've all graduated and because we've all like excelled in high school, we were all fortunate enough to be Brown scholars. So we got a full ride to Texas A&M. But other than that scholarship, what were some reasons why you guys ultimately decided to go to A&M instead of other schools? Um, I'll go ahead and go. Uh, I actually applied to about 20 schools. Um, 20. I was really just, yeah, yeah, about wow. 20. Maybe, maybe. 16 or 17 that's, i think um, i was really just yeah i was really just fishing for money um mm -hmm. you know i a lot of people in my community are really wealthy but that's not me and so if i wanted to have the option to um go on to medical school or law school or graduate school or anything like that um 
I wouldn't be able to afford it financially. So really the only option for me was to get some big scholarships to be able to go. Uh, so uh, I, I ended up getting around, I think it was seven full ride scholarships. And high school students, if you're listening and you're a junior or younger, um, really do well on your PSAT. And everybody in this um, podcast today will will definitely um, confirm that. But do well on your PSAT. Um, all seven of those full ride offers were all pretty much all based off of um, being a national merit scholar through the PSAT test. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then A&M was, is, was really the one that stuck out to me. Um, they definitely, out of all the schools, uh, were the most generous in terms of finances. And um, even besides the Brown Scholars Program, which we're all a part of, there's also um, the Brockman Scholars Program and the Terry Scholars, and both of those also give fluoride scholarships as well. So from the very beginning, AM was kind of singled out as being very financially generous. Um, also, the rural setting, um, my family are farmers in Ohio, and so I spend every summer there, and I just couldn't live in a big city. And then also another big thing for me was um, they had really nice apartments for freshmen. And so I just, yeah, I'm a country girl, I guess. So I need my space. And so that was kind of nice to not be stuck in a dorm room if I didn't want to be. So that was kind of for me. But I guess, Anita, you're up next. What are you thinking? I think, wait, was Keita next or was it me? Well, at this point. All right, I'll go. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Brown Scholarship was definitely a very generous offer from A&M. And then I completely forgot to mention this during the introductions, but I'm in the um, Engineering to Medicine program, which is an early assurance medical program. So like after um, a bachelor's in engineering, we matriculate into A&M's med school. And that was another huge thing that drew me to A&M. Um, because like Carissa, I also applied to a ton of colleges um also fishing for money <laughs> and not really knowing exactly what I, what I wanted to do so I wanted to keep my options open um but throughout senior year I decided that medicine was really what I wanted to pursue that was really my end goal even if I did get a bachelor's in engineering from any college I would still want to go to med school afterwards and so I thought A&M was a really hard offer to beat I mean they gave me a full ride and a guaranteed spot in medical school and so I was like, there's really not much that can beat that. Um, and I think that if I wanted to pursue like computer science or if I definitely wanted to be an engineer for the rest of my life, I do think I would have probably gone somewhere else, but given what I wanted specifically, A&M was just really perfect. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I know Ankita, you said you were from Austin. So did the thought of ever going to UT or I guess TU or whatever, you know, did, yeah. that, ever, did that ever cross in your mind? Oh, I have quite a story about this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll try to keep it short. Um, so I actually, I, I literally thought I was going to be a Longhorn for the first 17 years of my life. I actually didn't fully decide on A&M until March of my senior year. So I, um, you know, obviously I did everything in life with the intent of going to UT. I decided to major in biomedical engineering at UT when I was a freshman in high school. And, um, I, I just, I really like everything that I did was with UT in mind. 
And that's why, like I said, my high school itself wasn't an inherently competitive high school. I was able to do the swim team and two choirs for all four years. And so I was able, I was basically able to do the things I loved. But again, because of um, people I knew just pushing me to be competitive, I also kind of filled up my schedule with just so many activities that it was really overwhelming. And I kind of got a taste of that competition that is actually really embedded into the UT system. And, you know, as an Austinite, I do know a lot of people who are currently UT students and they have told me about the kind of competition that's there. And at first it appealed to me. I thought it was something I needed, but after taking a couple of classes at UT, I just realized that environment was just not for me. Um, In my senior year of high school, I was, doing so much just to try and I I don't know I I just I thrive with like being a busy person but I kind of pushed it too far and the stress was just too much it took a toll on my mental health and so I visited A&M a couple of times and everything was it was just like really relaxing I think um like just the environment was a little bit more emphasis on like um doing what you want because you love it not because you're trying to get an edge on someone else and so that was kind of one of the things that pushed me to go to A&M rather than UT. Another minor thing is that um, I also wanted to try and double major in vocal performance at UT, think like opera. And I could, it just kind of occurred to me that that's not something that could really happen. And so that was kind of another thing that maybe go, maybe A&M's all right. The scholarship was just like the final like nail in it that made me go, all right, yeah. A&M's the one. Yeah, for sure. I have a very similar story to that, where it's like, for some reason, where I live, UT is like the gold standard, you know? Because uh, yeah, same here, yeah, of course. Every, every, like, when it comes to schools in Texas, everyone wants to go to UT because it's a very good education, but it's not as expensive as like rice, you know? And so for me, I got into UT, the Health Science Scholars Program, so like the CNS Honors Program in like December. And I was actually about to press accept then, but then my parents were like, don't prematurely accept, maybe you'll get something else. And I actually wasn't going to apply to A&M. In fact, like my dad forced me to go to this presentation that they had in Dallas because I was just like, I don't want to go to A&M. There's just a bunch of rednecks who go there or something like that, you know? Like it's a bunch of people in boots and horses, you know, I don't really want to go there, but it's definitely not like that at all. And uh, at the end of the day, I think I made the right decision, especially as a pre-med student going to A&M, because I feel like in a school like UT, or like a private school, I just wouldn't be able to thrive in that kind of competition, especially on the pre-med track, you know? So I think I made the right decision going to A&M. And Ben, I know you said you went to Alabama. So is like the University of Alabama, like the gold standard there? Like, or? Um, I mean, it really depends on who you talk to. Uh, yeah. I personally don't see it as a gold standard. A lot of people I know go there just just because their parents have gone there, just a variety of factors like the tradition of it, which I understand. I just, neither of my parents grew up in Alabama, so I didn't really have that. A lot of uh, like my friends who are interested in engineering, they went to Auburn. Um, okay. So Auburn's probably the most popular choice for engineering students in Alabama. For me, like with my college choice, I kind of was just like, I kind of want to get out. I kind of want to like go far away. And so I didn't apply to a ton of different places, um, but I just kind of applied to the strong nuclear programs that I knew about mm-hmm. um, since that's what I was really interested in. And I, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to pursue. 
So um, I actually, Anim was not on my radar at all for a really long time, but like nine days before the early action deadline, I got something in the mail that going back to the PSAT scores, it was about national merit aid at A&M. And this wasn't even including the Brown scholarship. I had no clue what that was at the time. So I saw the, the national merit uh, scholarships were really good at A&M. Um, and so I saw that and I knew I was a semifinalist at the time and said, oh, okay, let me look into their nuclear program. And they end up having a really great nuclear program, one of the biggest in the country. So like the more and more I found out about AM, the more I kind of was like, okay, this could definitely be an option. So I did the application, um, got it in before the early action deadline. I didn't think about it much. Uh, it was kind of floating around in the back of my head. And then it was one of the, they were one of the first schools to accept me, accept me. So I get something in the mail. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, this is the first school I've been accepted to. And then like as it goes on, they say, okay, you got this scholarship. And then I get contacted about the Brown scholarship. And I haven't even heard back from some other places like Georgia Tech, which is known for being a really prestigious engineering school. And so like at the end, like at the end of everything, I had gotten accepted to Georgia Tech and received no scholarships. I had a couple pretty good scholarships to like NC State and Rensselaer Polytechnic. Um, but none of those, I think... I guess I and I didn't even end up visiting those places because I visited A and M for a National Merit Scholars Day in February, and I just I don't know I, I it felt like a really good fit for me, and I was thinking about it earlier, just trying to really put words to it. It's it's an odd thing. It's this experience of going to A and M where there are just so many people. There are more people you can comprehend. It gave me the complete escape from feeling like I was under a microscope or that like I was kind of being like looked at in any way. Like at my high school, I knew most of my class. It was a fairly big class, but I still knew most of the people and like most of the people knew me. So it, walking down the hallways, I would always feel a little bit weird or self-conscious. At a &M, that completely disappears. And you would think that there are like pros and cons. You'd think that a bad thing about that type of thing is that you feel isolated or it's hard to make real connections, but I have experienced the exact opposite. I think like in that escape from the like this an extremely like small community is the ability to make your own communities and it's not isolating i wouldn't say it's more liberating than like being stuck alone because i mean i've stricken up so many conversations with people i barely know and you just get along with people it's really easy to do that with people at a m so that's one thing i really enjoyed about it yeah for sure for sure. You know, I always get asked this question. It's like, would you rather be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond? Every time I always tell them I'd rather be a small fish in a big pond because you have the opportunity to become a big fish in the big pond, you know? But if you're in the small pond, your your potential is capped. So that was one of the main reasons why I definitely decided to come to AM. I think last time they said it was like, what, 70,000 people on campus or something like that? Like, that's just... It's just crazy to think about, you know? And so it's just, you know, all these schools in Texas, they're all generally pretty big. You know, like UT is also like super big. And I think A&M is also going to like the 6% rule now instead of the 10% rule because there's just so many people on campus. You know, so Reagan, why did you decide to come to A&M? Yeah, so my story is a little bit different than y'all's, but still kind of similar vibe. So I also applied to 
not as not as many schools as Carissa. Maybe only I think I started the application at ten and maybe only got seven in by the time I realized what college essays were because those are terrible. Um, but so and originally A and M was also not on my radar. I was not interested in the Yee Yee school. I didn't even know where College Station was. I was just not interested in that at all. And my mom dragged me on a tour. This was before my senior year. So it was before all the Brown scholarship and everything happened. And truly, like I think of when I like think of back to like best days of my life or best memories ever, like one of my best days of my life was my tour at A&M because there's just so many like magical little coincidences that happened. People we ran into, like incredibly helpful people. Um, and it was like, oh my gosh, like this place is amazing. Everyone's so friendly here. And like truly I'm here now as a student and it hasn't changed at all. People are just as friendly. Like there's just something different about the people at a and and the kind of people that choose to come here. It's just really, really special. And then as for more practical reasons, then the, the Brown scholarship came around and you do, my interview was in, was December 20th. And then you hear back like that day or later in January. And that was honestly like another, like one of the best days of my life not only just because of receiving that full ride, but the things that they talk about, because A&M is so big, they can be so many different things. They can be a big state school, they can be a great sports school, and they can also be incredibly good for academics. They're a tier one research institute. And because of that, they have so many resources. So I mentioned in my introduction thing that I'm biomedical engineering with a minor in Spanish, maybe going to pre-med. And honestly, um, so both of my parents are not STEM people at all. My mom works at a library and my dad teaches real estate. So very not in the STEM world at all. And I didn't know any, told you I didn't even know what an engineer was or the medical world. And so it was honestly just kind of picking my major. I was like, oh, biomedical engineering. That has both medical and engineering in it. I don't know what I want to do yet. And A&M is a great place to figure that out. That's honestly why I chose to come here is because of all the resources they have, education on medical school and then different resources with career fairs and industry fairs, learning all that different stuff, and then hearing the Browns talk about all the different opportunities and resources they have. It was just like pretty clear with all of this, and you can learn all this, and then I was also hoping to work in some nonprofits at some time, um, working for a nonprofit, and so in that case, you kind of need to not have college debt if you're not going to be making a lot of money, and so that was another big reason, was because the school is so amazing and it can be so many different things for different people. That's why it's like, it has so many different types of people in it. And now I, now I'm like in a couple of different recruitment, different organizations like Tanza or fish camp, just because talking about how cool this school is and how it's able to be so many different things for so many different people. For sure. For sure. And I'll just ask this one last question. I know you guys are talking so many great things about AM, but what are, what is something that you don't like about the school? Um, I guess I can go first in this case. I guess one thing, I wouldn't say like I hate about the school, but like I'm not like generally a big fan of. It's just like I'm not really a big fan of like that rural town area. Now, I don't like Chris. So she talked about like how she likes that. But like for me, I've generally just gone around Dallas my whole life. So I'm usually really accustomed to like that big city life stuff, you know, and you know, just seeing like a lot of my friends right now who go to UT or they go to UTD or they go to like Berkeley or UCLA, you know, they're like all in these big cities, you know? So I guess that's definitely not something I don't like, 
per se. It's like not like a deal breaker for me, but it's just like a preference where I like big cities more than small cities. But what would you say is something for you guys that you don't like about the school? Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, for me, I'd say, um, and this is really just personal experience. I know it's different for everyone. Um, I, I did. I think there are a lot of positive things about community at AM and like the building of it. I think there are definitely sure. also negative things, maybe not, that don't get talked about enough. Um, like growing up in the South, um, I was raised in a very religious background. But as I went through high school, I kind of like moved away from that, and like my parents were very like still kind of like pushing me towards that and I still felt that kind of pressure so like going to Anim I thought I was going to be able to escape that completely but like Christianity on Anim's campus is very normalized and it's it's almost like some I, and I don't think it's true like as a statement but it sometimes feels like it's not normal if you're not Christian yeah. so I'd say that's one of the, that's one of the things for me like the the advert just they advertise like religious events, but literally all of them are Christian. Like it was in the Howdy Week booklet, yeah. and so just like that constant reminder of being surrounded by this kind of thing. Um, I think they could do more, especially like the invocation at football games is very clearly a monotheistic prayer, and um, so I, I think there are things that could change just to be more welcoming to people of all different religious backgrounds. Yeah, definitely. Like me even though i'm not christian i went to sunday school where we had exposure to like a lot of different religions like islam and judaism and christianity so for me like i i'm not comfortable like or i am comfortable around like all these people like who like tend to push religion a lot like especially like the breakaway people like who just randomly come up to you when you're walking across campus like for me one time i felt really awkward because i was eating lunch at the msc and like two random dudes just come up to me and like they're like take this survey and i'm like no nah, i'm good and like they literally just followed me until i took the survey and the survey was about like what do you think about jesus as our savior and whatnot you know so like kind of freaked me out a little bit you know because like i just answered the questions to where i hope they would like just get away from me because you know like i'm not really trying to answer these kind of questions you know i'm just here to study i'm not trying to be converted or anything you know i mean it's definitely not as bad as schools like baylor where like they're like explicitly Christian. Like I have two friends who go to Baylor right now. Like they have to go to like chapel and prayer every week. So like, it's definitely not as bad as that. But at the same time, I think you're definitely right then where it's like, it's so normalized, you know? And like, it's so prominent. Like I could definitely see how some people could be weirded about, weirded out by it. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. On a kind of related note, I, I do feel like A&M is not the most diverse school, um, especially because I went to an extremely diverse high school with so many different ethnicities and races and backgrounds. Um, and so coming to A&M, I felt kind of out of place and honestly had a little bit of a culture shock, I feel like, because <laughs> I'd, I'd never, I mean, I've lived in um, Indiana, California, New Mexico, and so nowhere really in the southeast or south. Um, so I think that more diversity would maybe make my experience at A&M a little bit better, but also it's not a deal breaker either. It hasn't really been a very major downside. Yeah, definitely. Like for me, I don't think it was not as, or it's more diverse than I thought it was. You know, I thought it was just gonna be a bunch of white people, but at the same time, you could definitely see in like 
a few areas or like a few organizations or whatever, it's like predominantly your your white Christian, you know, and like I could yeah. definitely see like how some people could be weirded out by that. But I could definitely say that diversity is definitely increasing at AM as more and more people are are coming there. You know, but yeah, I, yeah you're right. You're hundred percent right. It's like not the school overall, but like different pockets. I feel like I wish they could be a little bit more diverse. Yeah, I think it is a very homogenized culture, but it is getting better, like you said. So that's a really good thing. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm a white Christian from kind of <laughs> the outskirts of Dallas. So actually for me, for me going to A&M, I got to kind of be in a little bit more diverse environment than what I'm used to personally. We, so we weren't was, trying to, I know, I wasn't I know, trying but... to trash you or anything like that. It's just... <laughs> oh yes, not at all. <laughs> we love you, Carissa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I actually going to A&M for me was a little bit more diverse than what I was used to, which is great. Um, so it's just not totally like a sea of very pale white faces or anything, but um, yeah, it's there could be definitely more diversity. Um, but one of the things that I kind of don't like about A&M is that it is such a huge school in such a um, rural area that, you know, there's about 70 to maybe 80, if you count graduate students and all, all those types of people, um, 70 to 80,000 people that are A&M students or Aggies or however you want to identify them. And in a community the size of College Station, that makes college students like the vast majority of the population. And um, I, I would, I think I would like A&M a little bit more if the ratio in the community of like students to families and older people, people were, were a bit more um, normal. Um, if there was just a bit more like family friendly activities to do and, and things like that, because I think that really helps kind of round out a community as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Like I was going to go, I went to go pick up my stuff because of like the whole COVID shutdown thing and like the roads were completely empty. So it just shows you like how much of a college town the place is. And a lot of people prefer that, you know, but like you, like I just wish there was more diversity in terms of like age groups, you know? And so like College Station would be like a lively city throughout the year instead of just being like very busy during school year. And then like during the summer, it's almost like a ghost town or something like that, you know? Another thing too, relating to that, just real quick, the, the infrastructure is, is nice, um, but it could be upgraded and expanded a little bit to accommodate for the you know the vast numbers of students so like the roads could they, they could put in more roads especially as the the town is expanding so much and definitely more parking on campus um would be great so yeah reagan you were shaking your head so i'm guessing you were about to say that yes the i have something i want to add about the community but yeah as for the infrastructure the roads they, they really upset me. There are some things that should that are not speed bumps, but it's basically a speed bump in the middle of an intersection. You're just like, what is going on here, Aggie engineers? So I don't know what's up with that. But um, on a more legitimate note, uh, I have something to add about the academics as well, as well as the community. So I also 
white Christian come from a, a city that is known for being a like nationally ranked Christian bubble city, basically. They've been getting in the news a lot recently for things related to coronavirus restrictions, whether or not they're following them or not. And But actually coming to A&M for me was both was a culture shock both directions. Like there were some groups I was in, particularly like my church and my Bible study that were way more um, serious and conservative than I was used to growing up. And there were some things, some organizations I joined, like a social engineering org, that was definitely more what I expected in college to be more diverse groups, different perspectives, people who grew up in places different than me. So I think it was kind of like how y'all are talking. It can be certain pockets of it are not as diverse and certain pockets are definitely more which is good and bad i feel like you get that at both school at a lot of schools but just another thing about a&m being so big there's goods and bads with that but you are allowed to have those different kinds of groups and then also about it being big more on the academic standpoint because i know we've talked more about the culture of here things that we liked or didn't like as for academics it is a huge school which means it has tons of resources but the thing with it being a huge school is if you want those things, you have to go get them yourself. And people are super friendly if you go to them first. So they're not going to like hold your hand or your counselors aren't going to email you and like make sure that you're taking your classes. Once you're in your more um, defined major, then they're a little bit more one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. But as for like when I was trying to do adding my Spanish minor, it was me who had to go to the academic building, go to the engineering building, meet with those different people. And honestly, it's just a large school in general. I don't. I did not realize that, like how big it is to walk across. Like you need some good walking shoes before you come here. Um, and so it definitely is the kind of because it is so big, you have to go off and get things for yourself. Whether or not that's good or bad, that's more up to you. But that's definitely something that I noticed when I first got here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you were speaking about the infrastructure, one thing I got reminded by. So I lived in McFadden. Um, during my freshman year so the parking lot infrastructure i think it's lot 32 is so bad because every time it rains i don't think there's a drain in that parking lot so every time it rains it like literally floods in in that area and like i don't have rain boots or anything like that so it's like the absolute worst like i know you guys just said a and is like all engineering school but like how could you go wrong with that you know and coming from my high school where the infrastructure was even worse like our infrastructure is so bad I think we were like in the top 10 for like worst infrastructure or like worst constructed schools in the nation or something like that. Like our infrastructure is so bad, like PewDiePie, like reacted to our school's infrastructure, like how bad it was because like the, the stores are not the sort the stairs, they all congregate to one place. So it's like super bad. And like, it's so crowded in our class. Our school has like 1000 or 2000 people in it too. So it's like, just to go from place A to place B takes like 15 minutes. So I'm, I'm pretty used to this bad infrastructure. So it's not that big of a deal for me. You gotta give us a link to that PewDiePie video, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I definitely will. I definitely will. <laughs> um, so for me, because I did come from an urban area, you know, Austin is, is super diverse culturally and you know regarding ethnicity um you know there, it's, there's a huge emphasis on music on fitness all things i love and going from that to a m which is um it's it's quite different you know being a rural area and being i think 
pretty white majority. Um, it, it was quite a change and a little bit of a culture shock. Um, uh, so, you know, it was, it, it did make me feel a little bit out of place at first because I wasn't very used to it. And also just the size, you know, being used to being in a very tight, small urban environment where you can just walk to wherever you need to go or it's a short drive and suddenly you need to drive at least 30 minutes or so to get somewhere. That was um, a, a little bit of, uh, it, it did disappoint me at first, but I kind of, whenever I come back to Austin, I always find myself wanting to go back to College Station. And that's just something I always like to tell high schoolers about when they're talking about making their college decision that you really cannot judge a book by its cover. Like, yes, Texas A&M isn't the environment that I had always hoped for or was used to, but it does like come with this charm that really makes it feel like home. And when you're looking for a place to spend the next four plus years of your life, you got to find a place that's going to kind of just wrap you in this warm embrace that you don't want to leave. And I think that's most important. It's not the competition. It's not the ranking of the school. It's not how good the medical or law or history program is there. It's all about whether or not you can find a family. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So I know for our listeners, this may be like one of our longer podcasts just because we had a lot to say about, but um, there are definitely a lot more Brown scholars who are interested in joining the podcast. So I'll definitely have a future episode about that where we hear more perspectives from other Brown scholars. But make sure you guys check out our last episode about physical health. And I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast where we talk about A&M in high school. And especially for those seniors who are thinking about A&M, I hope this podcast, was like, podcast episode was like a way for you to definitely consider what A&M has to offer. And Once again, thank you guys for listening. I hope to see you guys next time.